calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to a brand new spoiler review episode here from the Geek Buddies. That is we incredible breath control you got there, Mikey. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Shout out to Tony uh, and his training on your abs. Fantastic. That's, stuff that's what it was. it was. I was that's all that's all Campanella uh ab control right there. <laughs> well, we are diving. I got mad at him. You know, wait, really quick. My train my trainer my, no, this is really quick. This is important. <laughs> real quick. My real trainer quick. is calling no, no, no. he's calling his fitness because he's nerdy, our friend Tony. He's a buddy. Yeah. Uh yeah. he's calling it geek body fitness. But every mm. time he says it, he says, mm -hmm. hey, so you, you should join my Geek Body Fitness. Geek Body, Geek Body, Geek Body. And I'm like, Ooh. you're really close to us suing your ass. Yeah, yeah. It's a little Tell close. Him. It's a little close, Tony. Tell him. Oh, my God. McClung pumps. I could see that happening. Um, yeah, so we are. <laughs> so we are diving into season two of Invincible. You guys asked for it, and we powered through the first four episodes. And we are here to talk about it. Maybe we're a couple of days late from other people who've reviewed it, but F it. We're worth the wait because we're going to have some fun breaking this one down. And you've got two very well-established animation experts on this review. So you're getting a higher level of review than you would from the normal geeks on other shows. You're getting two guys who are actively in the, the, the world of animation. We're going to give our two cents. And of course, me as a voiceover artist, giving my two cents and, and what have you as an analyst. So there's going to be a lot to discuss here. Episodes one through four of season two. Let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies 
And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer, as Johnny already talked about. Mm. And right now, you can see some of our current work with the third season every weekend on YouTube of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City. Oh, yeah, good stuff. And of course, you guys, I mean, I'm I, my green screen is gone for the month of December as a, as a bit of an experiment. I have dressed up the bookcases in Christmas. You guys have a Christmas uh, a holiday special out from Strawberry Shortcake. What is that one? Is that one still out on Netflix? It's going to be out for a while. Yeah, Strawberry Shortcake's Perfect Holiday. You can check it out right now on Netflix. Get your holiday viewing off to a sweet start uh, as Strawberry Shortcake and the gang try and prepare for the perfect winter swirl eve. Well, I'll imagine there's no blood in the Strawberry Shortcake like there is in this show so in Invincible. So, uh, you know, we're going to have a, a lot of fun making that switch from Strawberry Shortcake into something a bit more R-rated and a bit more uh, adult in its approach here. Invincible Season 2, the first four episodes here, a lesson for your next life. In about six hours, I lose my virginity to, virginity to a fish. Hello. This missive, this machination uh, is featuring some great voiceover narration from the awesome Paul F. Tompkins. And it's been a while. It's been a while. So that's uh, some interesting uh, titles for these first four episodes. And of course, there's a bit of controversy because people are upset that there's a mid-season break and that the producer, as Don, I think Don Scarpino said, that there's only that uh, the next episodes are going to come uh, in a few months. It's very nebulous when we're going to be getting the next few episodes. So let's savor and enjoy these first four episodes and have a fun discussion about them on this show. Before we jump in, please remember to subscribe to the channel. Hit a like on this video. Leave comments as we go along here having our discussion about these episodes. Michael, I go to you first. Incredible amount of stuff we got here. Um, more of the story with Mark and his journey. Uh, dealing with what happened after his father, the PTSD and the trauma of all that. Debbie, his mom, and uh, uh, Nolan's wife, they're dealing with what happened there in their situation, her situation with Omni-Man, finding out his alter ego and all the things he did. Plus, we've got Adam Eve and what she's going through and a number of the ancillary characters uh, and what they're dealing with. And Cecil back, as always, to rule the roost and mess with things and make us suspicious about this guy, all leading to an incredible last episode as of a uh, fourth episode here last of the first four that uh, sees mark and uh, omni-man reunited in one of the most uncomfortable uh, unions between a father and son ever seen animated or otherwise so what are your thoughts on the first four episodes of this series so far in season two i mean i think i think invincible is absolutely killing it i think season two uh more so than season one i think what's great about it is it's a hundred percent the story from the comics mm -hmm. it's exactly like this is if you were a fan of the invincible comics and you're watching invincible you're like this is the story but it's like it's like robert kirkman got a do-over <laughs> to change all the little things oh, that he did like and so it, it has I, I think there's three big differences between like what happens in the comics why why what happened in the comics happened in the comics and why mm. what's happening now is what's happening now one is um robert kirkman's older a little older, a yeah. little wiser, a little more learned in his life. Uh, we live in a very different time right now. Uh, those Invincible comics were a while ago. And like just with the way that we talk about um, uh, the way that we represent women, the way that we oh, yeah. represent different characters, uh, I think that there's just a little bit more sensitivity to certain storylines. And mm. uh, animation, um, you have more time to, with those scripts. Not a ton more time. I mean, I think they right. probably were still pretty rushed to get this stuff out, but a lot more time than when you're doing a monthly comic. So you're kind of seeing this team come together and go, hey, here's what happened in the comics. Right. This is what we're doing, but how do we 
deepen this? How do we make it a little bit more mature? How do we make it a little bit more emotionally resonant? So it's been really, really fun to watch the story that I loved in the comics roll out, but then also key in on the on the new scenes, the new little mini arcs, and just like the way they tweak moments mm. to make it a lot stronger. So I think this is like Invincible season two is like a slightly elevated, slightly better version of the story that I know from the comics is the way that I would describe oh, it. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Shannon, uh, you know, we go, we go further into uh, with Alan and the, the alien, we get Angstrom Levy introduced in this season more with the Maulers one quietly, one of our favorite characters in Invincible as well, and get a little bit more of the emotional journey of all these characters. Mark going to college, uh, his relationship with Amber, how that's working out now that they're transitioning, not only as to being boyfriend, girlfriend, well, and her understanding the superhero life, but also going to college and, and navigating all of that. But then you get all of this thrown in, this emotional trauma coming to a head there in episode four. What were your thoughts about these first four episodes overall here for Invincible season two? Well, of the three of us, you know, I am the least entrenched in the uh, mm. invincible in, in, invincible canon. I didn't I didn't read the books. I came to it through the show. And, you know, it, it took a second because not really being familiar with that world, the animation style of very, you know, 1980s Saturday morning with this very graphic content. Like to me, yeah. it took my brain a second to kind of to kind of line up and even getting back to season two. It took a second. I mean, with one of the things with streaming is unless it is a huge, huge show, unless it is stranger things, mm. um, there is so much on streaming that you can miss it. And I did not realize that invincible season two had dropped until, you know, people <laughs> on one of our live shows been like, when are y'all going to talk about it? I'm like, I, I didn't know it was out. <laughs> um, so yesterday I was able, I, I had a day off from work. I was able to go through and just watch the first four episodes mm. and was reminded of like, Oh man, that's right. I really do. I really do enjoy these characters. I really enjoy this world. I really enjoy these performances. Um, that that dichotomy of the Saturday morning animation style versus the graphic content, it still takes my brain a second uh, to to for it to line up. Um, but once it once it does, it's great. I mean, Kevin Michael Richardson, who is a you know a brilliant voice actor, the yeah. voice of the Maulers, you know, a guy that we we've all had the the three of us have had the uh, fortune of working with. I, I love those characters so much. Um, Vogel, as one who is familiar with my writing, knows I love a big, goofy, strong guy. <laughs> and the Maulers, we get we get more than two. We get several yeah. from different, yeah. you know, from different realities. Um, the things that they leaned into knowing that there's a lot of multiversal stuff going on. I'm like, oh, even Invincible's doing it. Yeah. But with this one, it it's um it, it is it is working really well. I love Sterling K. Brown's uh Angstrom Angstrom Levy and the fact that yeah. it is Angstrom is so close to Kang. I was like, oh that's 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 fun. Um but also the emotional stories. I mean mm. especially with uh, Sandra O's character. I mean the whole thing of where Omni Man referred to her as like, you know, you're like you're like a pet. I mean <sighs> the the dramatic punch to the gut that is and how that has resonated and how she's gone to this um support group um yeah the the storytelling is just so so tight and back in season one like alan the alien that section in season one was not my favorite that is where i'm kind of like ah, i don't know if i'm really digging this show hmm. um if you had told me then that the alan the alien episode in the first part of season two was going to floor me i would not have believed you um but it certainly did so yeah the fact that we don't know we don't know when we're going back to the 
we're going to get to return to the world of the second season. A little frustrating, but we've seen shows that this kind of backfire on where you release the first half and the audience kind of uh, disappears for the second half. I don't feel like that's going to happen here. I mean, I feel like the people that are entrenched in this world are very invested and um, are looking forward to the conclusion of that second season. Yeah, I would say overall construction wise, I think this season is better than the first season because I think the writing is tighter. Uh, and I do have some complaints about the ancillary characters or ensemble characters, for lack of a better term. Uh, but overall, I think the writing is tighter. I think what they're getting to makes more sense. The gaps in terms of silence between the uh, between the um, uh, characters and their interactions, I think, are really used well for emotional resonance. And I think the way they use cliffhangers this season makes is much more effective than the clumsy way they tried to use them at times in the last season. So I kind of like that about this. Really like they were dealing with the trauma of a father who does this and not only just beats up his own son and treats uh, his wife and uh, his son's mother as something that is lesser than him. Uh, the twist was handled so well. So now you're dealing with the trauma of that. How many people deal with the after effects of a father, not necessarily pummeling them to almost death, but certainly maybe emotionally, mentally uh, messing with their confidence, messing with who they are. Uh, maybe once you get to be a certain age, you see the flaws in your father. Maybe your father cheats on his on your on your mom. You know, those, those are those things you have to confront in life. Sometimes if you don't have the best of fathers, how do you navigate that? And then on the other side, seeing Debbie, who was a bit of a side character last season, even though, of course, she has a very important relationship to both Mark and Nolan. But seeing her and what she's going through, seeing Sandra Oh finally get a chance to kind of show the acting chops that she has in this format, I thought was really fun to see as well. Um, and yes, the Mauler stuff is great. The Angstrom Levy thing is good. My only issue is he disappears for two episodes after the first two. And that's kind of a complaint I have, but I like Sterling K. Brown's version of it as well. But I think, Mike, what you're saying is such a... Uh, accurate thing is that you're seeing what it's like to be able to revisit your property all these years later and make changes that just kind of um, shave down certain things or adjust certain tones to fit the audience of today and what they kind of like the boys did uh, yeah. another prime video uh, installment. You read those original boys comics and you're like, Jesus Christ, you, you watch it now and it's much more palatable to 2022, 2023 eyes and ears for sure. And I like that. This is a huge part of uh, what you get here in this uh, season, the trauma, the PTSD, but then also how do you put it together? How do I become a hero and not be these negative parts of my dad, even though there are so many positive parts of my dad? How can I be the best version of my father and also have my own voice as I get older? So there's so much here that I thought was fun to explore uh, as a season two for Invincible. But uh, let's dive into Mark's storyline. Mike, I go back to you. I mean, his journey here in this, as we mentioned, the PTSD, but also him trying to come back to being a hero. We open with this, uh, um, what, what do you say, this maybe fantasy scene or this scene from another dimension where Mark right. and no, it's Omni-Man... A, it's another dimension, yeah. Okay, Mark and Omni-Man have come together and they're in control of everything and they're beating up the immortal, literally dismembering him in the middle of the air there and seeing the control that he could have, which is, of course, kind of foreshadowing the fear that Mark has that he may become his father as having that half Viltrumite blood. He might become a ruler himself. He might give in to these things and these worst impulses. But we also see him trying to deal with his mom, being there for his mom, that scene in the kitchen where he hugs her, where she's crying and she breaks down from having uh, the, from missing her husband, the loss of her husband, even though he's still alive. 
Uh, and then later him navigating stuff with Amber, taking her to Paris, you know, going to college together and then taking off to handle business there in the planet on in the episode four and confronting his father and, and finding out his father and moved on kind of like ego the living planet had multiple lovers here moved on to another new lover has a half uh, in, essentially has another child so his half brother and then having to fight and then at the end ending up with the fact that he is now having to take omni man's position on earth and essentially blackmailed into you can risk a few lives or millions of lives it's your choice so in essence that harbinger from the beginning of episode one comes somewhat true at the end of episode four. So what did you think about how they handled Mark's storyline through these four episodes, man? What stood out for you? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Well, I mean, you know, like I think like Shannon was saying, I mean, it's intentional. The, like just from a visual standpoint, and I think mm. this ties into like what I like, what I like about what they did with Mark this season. It's intentional that this is when you first watch Invincible, it's a bright, primary colored superhero mm. universe that looks like Saturday morning. It looks like super, it's every superhero cartoon we've ever seen. So that when all of a sudden it gets super violent, that's really shocking. Um, but I think the arc of the comic book and the arc of Mark's journey is, Hey, being a superhero, even though it looks simple in the comics, like, you know, Superman, Batman, they all have like their simple rules. I don't kill. I don't do this. I don't do that. Um, what Robert Kirkman does with Invincible is he makes it really fucking hard for Mark. Mm -hmm. And 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 this is true of Mark. It's true of Debbie. It's true of Eve. Like, yeah. you sort of see this, like, we start this world. We're like, hey, your dad's Superman, and you're going to get powers, and isn't that going to be great? And then you just sort of keep deconstructing it, and you make things harder and harder and harder to the point where you're like, what does it really mean to be a hero? Mm. Like, where you know, what, what do, what... It, it is going around and punching a bunch of guys in robot suits really the best way to use these powers. And I think watching what happened now, like, in, you know, coming out of season one, really just giving Mark the time to deal mm. with the trauma of what he dealt with, you know? And like, they, they, they kind of show us right off the bat, they show us this other universe that is like, hey, this is what Omni-Man wanted. This is what it could have been. This is, right, this is right. what Mark could have been and chose not to be. And now let's catch up with Mark, who is aimless and doesn't know what he's doing. And then is like, all right, well, let me go back to being a hero because I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and do that because that's what I should do with these powers. Right. But I'm kind of deep down worried that am I going to be my dad? And I know everyone else is afraid I'm going to be my dad. And I'm not really sure what to do with all of this. And while that's going on, he's still dealing with having Amber as a girlfriend, which a big change from the comics, his relationship with Amber is way more developed. Amber's oh. a way more interesting character and they have a much more um, open and honest and communicative relationship, which I think is a really nice thing to see. Um, but it all builds up to this big reveal at the end of season three. You know, he's sort of muddling along and we're watching Mark sort of figure it out. You're like, all right, I think... I think he's kind of figuring out where he wants to be. And then you send him with the Thraxons to the planet and he is all of a sudden way earlier than he had any intention of being no. reunited with his dad. And the way that they handled the entire reunion with his dad, lots of little differences from the comic, you know, like mm. Mark really pissed off right off the bat, like flying off. Like Mark in the comics sometimes kind of just went along with, okay, I guess this is what's happened. Okay. Well, I guess explain this to me. And this Mark, he he stands up to Cecil when Cecil is like, I need mm. you to stay. And he's like, I'm going to go like they're real. And they're really kind of showing a Mark trying to step into his own power with the full knowledge that if he steps too far into his power, he might become his dad. 
So like trying mm. to find this balance of someone who wants to do what he thinks is right, has the power to kind of do whatever he wants, but also doesn't want to become this bad guy is a really interesting. It's like I was talking to somebody about it and I said, well, what's cool about Mark in this season is we talk about it all the time with Superman. Like the reason that Superman is interesting is that he is the most powerful superhero in the DC universe and he could go bad, mm -hmm. but it's all sort of theoretical. With Mark, you literally have in his father an example of what he could do if he wanted to. And that yeah. is a shadow that like looms over him for all of season two. And then to all of a sudden show up and have dad want to have this like reunion and be pissed about it. And before you even have time to process all of that, you're fucking attacked by Voltramites, nearly <laughs> killed. And you're really, and, and you're, you're, you're taking him and putting him right in that thing. Hey, hey, I don't want to be you. I don't want to kill. I'm not mm -hmm. going to be like you. I don't kill people. And you're faced with someone who's literally going to rip your guts out if you don't do it. So like they've just put him in this really, really interesting spot, which I think makes him one of the mo most interesting superheroes or with all of the superhero fatigue that we talk about right now and all yeah, of that yeah. is Marvel working, is DC working. The story that's unroll that's unraveling and invincible and this kind of struggle that Mark is in and ending him in a place where it's like, hey, go pick up your dad's job. Like it's just such yeah. a wealth of like emotional trauma and philosophical questions and and if you haven't read the comics, you've kind of left you left the on this cliffhanger going, I have no fucking idea what's gonna happen next. Like how do you get out of this? What do you do? And I think that's really, really interesting. Yeah. Shannon, your thoughts on this? I mean, because we also get Mark uh, kind of, you know, wanting to go back to being a hero, but also saying to Cecil, I'm not going to do what my dad did, but then has these moments where he does exactly what his father did. You know, he smashes that uh, table in the diner when he takes off to Thraxen without, with the Thraxens without, even though Cecil tells him not to, maybe Cecil knows that this is an Omni-Man trick and knows that he might be going into the wrong place for himself, but Mark is going to do what he needs to do and figure this all out. And he sees the uselessness, as Michael pointed out, maybe the uselessness of being a hero because crime never stops. It's over and over and over again. He even in the second episode fights some of his father's old foes in the back and forth and in the interactions that they have there and has to use his father and portray being like his father in order to subdue one of them. So a lot of emotional um territory that he is navigating here trying to put it together without going to a therapist without really talking to anybody about it too much but and then being thrust into the presence of his father and tricked by his father yet again to come and show up and why because his father wants to save his new child so he wants to use his older child to save his new child so there's a lot of mind fucking going on for mark throughout these first four episodes culminating and Omni-Man using him yet again to sat, to uh, um, meet his needs rather than thinking of Mark's needs. Yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing that Steven Yoon is getting to do with Mark is you think about the passage of time between the end of season one and the beginning of season two, like, it ain't that long. Like, everything that he... he, he this All this stuff is very, very fresh. So it's not only did your super-powered father who has been so um encouraging and excited that you got these powers not only did he try to beat you to death mm. but he you also found out this guy this is not the guy who i thought he this is not who i thought it was this is not the father that i knew this is a, this is a stranger yeah. and you see what he has to do 
um, to deal with that. And, you know, it's funny because the comparisons to Superman are there because, you know, Omni-Man is, you know, the strongest superhero um, from, from an alien planet. Um, but for me, Mark is Spider-Man. Like, mm. it, it, it's it's the real world problems that that are the most difficult thing. Um, like even like trying to fly Amber to Vegas yeah, where yeah. he's just like, you know, we could, yeah, I could have flown you to Paris, but your skin would have ripped off. Like it's right. the type of thing, like he is one of the most, he is one of the strongest superheroes, but there are still limitations. Like he still can't do everything. I mean, you look at, you look at the perfect world that Omni-Man had in the, you know, alternate dimension. And even that, that's, I mean, you know, it is, it is ramshackle. Like have they won? Yeah, I guess. But I mean, look at the state of the world and, the the work that Steven Ewan gets to do with this character is is just so much fun. Um, and Mark is so likable and he's just so he's just so interesting. I mean, you, when you see the first thing he does when he sees his dad on Thraxis, right? Yeah. Um, after the initial shock is he goes up and he hugs him. I mean, you know, because despite everything that happened, he still is like this is still my dad like this is the guy that i grew up with i mean so it's just it's re it's just really really compelling uh storytelling and again i mean i i can't say enough about steven yoon's voice work mm. um and i went back and started reading the first of uh the century knowing that steven yoon's gonna be playing oh, yeah. that for the thunderbolts and it's just yeah this he he's having a hell of a time playing blue and yellow heroes yeah, for sure. Um, let me swing back to you, Shannon, because you brought this up. Let's hit the Angstrom Levy stuff uh, real quick because it's the first two episodes here. Sterling K. Brown voicing this character, very legendary character from the Invincible comics. And we get to see a little bit more of how he came about and how Mark was instrumental in essentially turning him into a villain because he was there to stop this stuff that Cecil sent him to stop the Maulers from doing this thing with Angstrom Levy. But Angstrom Levy has this ulterior motive that is good. He's trying to create more versions of himself. So, sorry, he's trying to accumulate all the knowledge from all these versions of himself so that he can help people in all these different universes. And yes, he tricks them all or dimensions rather and he tricks the Maulers, but he's tricking them so they can, so he can help. So they can help him achieve what he wants to achieve promises them planet Mark gets involved and now we've got this um uh, this uh, person who can jump dimension to dimension but has an anger towards Mark and Omni-Man and has the memories of all these different dimensions where Mark and Omni-Man essentially controlled people even though he's in a dimension where that's not happening currently uh, this is a fascinating character to throw in what do you think about this uh, character and uh, uh, what did you feel about him disappearing for the final two episodes I mean, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of St Sterling K. Brown mm. um, and his voice work is he's such a measured, um, measured individual. He makes mm. perfect sense. He's like, look, this is why I'm doing this. Like, I'm the only one out of all out of all of me. I'm the only one who can do this. Right. He's like, I'm trying to get everyone's memories to figure out how I can make every how I can make everything perfect. I'm, I'm going to make it so there's no crime. There's no this like everything is going to be perfect i mean the the uh device that the maulers constructed i mean it looks like like the most terrifying carnival ride ever <laughs> um and the back and forth and again being such a fan of kevin michael richardson the back and forth where they're like you know you need to be really careful because you're not if this does not go precisely correct right, like right. you are not gonna you are not gonna know what your what's your memories and what's their memories um 
but ultimately, I mean, you know, Langst or uh, Langstrom is um, has has turned bad. But yeah. even he was the reason he stopped is because he saw what the Maulers were doing to Invincible to Mark. Right. So it's like ultimately, like, yes, this is a good guy. And then you see the, you know, the uh, uh, monstrosity that he becomes with the, you know, enlarged uh, uh, brain and yeah. you know. Uh, you know uh, uh brainstem in the back um yeah like this is just a really really cool character i mean it was it, it pained me that he went bad because <laughs> so i was like oh this is i would really be interested to see where this goes um i did have the same thought i'm like well where did this guy go but also right. you know he's he, you know he's he's dealing with some stuff he <laughs> you know he just he just got the um face full body form of braces he's not ready to go out and and show himself just yet but him going bad totally makes sense yeah, Mike, you obviously know the comics better, I think, than the both of us. So uh, what's your thoughts about how Angstrom Levy was brought from the paper to the screen here and the mission that he has here uh, of taking this um, uh, this device that Robot used and using trying to use it possibly for himself to be able to do the things that he wants to do in crossing dimensions and making the changes? What do you think about how this came about and Sterling K. Brown's performance? Yeah, I think they did a nice job of, again, I think they made him a little bit more sympathetic right off the bat. Um, mm. But I think the interesting thing about Invincible as a comic book, and I think you're going to see a lot of this as we move forward, is this is pretty typical that you'll have this thing happen. You'll have this big thing happen, and then this character will disappear for a while. Mm. But rest assured, it's not that it went away. It's coming back. And, and by the time you get to the end, you're going to be like, oh, it all makes sense. And I, I give them a little bit of a pass because we're not technically at the end of a season. It's not like he disappeared right, right. for the season finale. Like for sure. We got we got more episodes coming, but also knowing that knowing where that story is gonna go a little bit, uh, this is gonna happen a lot. Like, you know, you're gonna have a character thing pop up. You're gonna we have uh our Martian character, you have, you know, mm. you have the Lizard League, you have all of these things kind of pop up and you're like, Oh, that was interesting. That was a that was a funny little bit. Um, but it all <laughs> like kind of comes back around. And I think, John, you hit on something that I think is a big theme of Invincible, which is Angstrom, Angstrom Levy, he wanted to do good. Yeah. He he wanted to do good. He wanted to do something good, and it backfired. Mm -hmm. um, it's very similar to what happens to Eve in episode four. I mean, and I think that with all of this idea of, like, you know, living in a superhero universe, everybody, because it's a comic book universe, everybody gets their powers, and they kind of put on spandex, and then everybody fights. Um, but with the, with the abilities that these people have, with the abilities that Angstrom Levy has, with the abilities that Eve has, if you really want to make the world a better place, there's a lot of things that you could do that are a lot better than spandex. And I think that, you know, like, so seeing how that all rolls out with this story is going to be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like the character. You know, uh, I know him a little bit in the comics. Didn't go too deep into the comics with Invincible. I've got, still got to finish that, uh, um, compilation that i have there but yeah i like the portrayal i like the character i like what's going on here and you're right mike much more sympathetic which i think makes sense because there is an overwhelming sense of tragedy throughout every character in this series um was it arthur is that the name of the guy who's got who like discovers that he might be a clone of himself or whatever near the end um the guy who works for cecil donald yes donald it's one of those names but yeah donald like when he discovers his uh, uh the truth about himself and sees the video of himself being killed or, or blowing up with omni-man his finding the glasses all of that even that has a sense of tragedy to it because he's been lied to cecil is the only one that seems to have no tragedy around him but we haven't had a backstory on cecil fully just yet but everyone else 
seems to have all kinds of issues going on with him. Even uh, Mansukas's character gets cheated on uh, by uh, by his girlfriend there with the immortal. So you know, everyone's got a, some issues going on that's not really working out overall. So I, I think it's fascinating. So to have Angstrom Levy come in and be a guy who you can immediately be like, wow, I like this guy. And you cast someone like Sterling K. Brown who has a very like uh, likable voice. And so you're like, you're on board. And then when things go wrong and Mark unwittingly, in essence, creates the evil villain of Angstrom Levy, um, you have even more tragedy around him and, and you hope they figure it out. So I like that. And I like that they made him super intelligent. And yes, I know you could have made Kang references, but I actually think it stands out on its own as its own thing. Not quite 100%. Maybe because the Kang thing seems pretty fumbled at this point, whereas it's Angstrom Levy seems very clear about what he wants to do for sure. Uh, well, let's take a quick break and we'll jump into some more of these storylines uh, and discuss the rest of the four episodes uh, right after this. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Boy, I got nothing. nothing. (laughs) Wow. We will be invincible. All right, anyway. Michael, I swing back to you. Let's talk about Debbie. Sandra Oh, as I said, not not having a lot to do in the first season, although she was a strong presence in the first season, have not have a lot to do. She was his mom, Mark's mom. She was Nolan's wife. Now in this season, much more front and center, navigating what she's navigating PTSD-wise or trauma-wise of this relationship with Nolan, as Shannon pointed out, being called a pet. In essence, she seems like she found out all this stuff that uh, uh, Omni-Man had said about her. And, you know, she spends most of the season just kind of navigating all of this, breaking down, crying. Certainly Mark trying to be an aide for her, but then also having to send Mark off to college um, and then going to this supporters group only to find out that the guy she starts to have a connection with he uh nolan killed his uh his significant other although i have my questions about whether they were in a relationship or not um and you see that be a part of this and debbie so then debbie by the end though debbie has this like come to jesus moment with herself rejects nolan's money rejects cecil completely and sets the books of, of the box of books on the side of the road and is and in essence is embracing her life again and and trying to move on in a more positive way. So what did you think about the arc for Debbie through these four episodes and Sandra O's performance? I mean, I think they did, they did Debbie right in this season. I mean, in the, in the comics, after the whole Omni-Man thing happens and Nolan flies off the planet, I mean, Debbie's going through a depression and kind of just like drinks a lot and is depressed. Oh, wow. And is chilling at home. And some people come by, uh, art, the tailor comes to see her. Cecil comes by, but it's just, it's not, 
it's she's not very active in the story. It's it's basically the fact that she's kind of just like spiraling because she's dealing with the trauma. And, you know, like I think Mark really deals with the trauma of his, his dad as Omni Man. Like mm-hmm. he got his ass kicked by Omni Man. He really looked up to Omni Man. He wanted to be Omni Man. Debbie is dealing with the Nolan side of this yeah. trauma. Like Nolan was her husband. Nolan was the love of her life. Nolan was the father of her child. And then right. just you have to deal with all this. But so like Debbie really got a lot more to do and is much more active. Like the entire going to the superhero spouse support group, uh, like trying to real actively trying to solve her emotional trauma um, was great. And yeah, Sandra Oh just kills it. I mean, I thought the entire scene with her going to the superhero spouse group uh, support Mm. group and then going to the bar afterwards um, was fucking a plus. Uh, and you know, yeah. and, and, and it really kind of showed how isolated she was. Like everyone has, everyone who is married to a superhero has a common, uh, oh yeah, you know, th- these are the breaks. Like you never know what's going to happen. They leave and they might not right. come back and it's bad, but like, it's like, she's married to a superhero Hitler. Like you're the superhero. <laughs> you were married to the superhero that brutally killed the most powerful superheroes in the world and is like the most evil person at the moment. And it just further isolates her. And I think watching her go through that entire process, find her strength, and then get to the end of this episode where she's like, I don't want this money. I don't want any of this stuff. I'm going to go do my own thing. Um, I think it made her a much more um, active character who was central in her own healing, not someone who was just sitting there sad and drinking and waiting for someone else to be like, hey, snap out of it. So I think out of everybody, Debbie got Debbie got the biggest glow up in uh, season two from what she had in the comics. Yeah, I would agree with that, Shannon. I mean, it seems like no one is really there to help Debbie. Like Olga comes in, but then she feels guilty because certainly Nolan killed Olga's significant other. And then when, uh, you know, and Mark's all caught up with his stuff and his own trauma and Amber and all that stuff. So he, he's only there to support her in a couple of moments that we see. Uh, Cecil really is offering almost no support other than financial. But then she realizes by the end that Cecil's support is all contingent on ha- having a hold over Mark and having a hold over her. And she doesn't want to. So, and even Theo, who she meets in this superheroes uh i don't know a support group um he ends up turning on her and said telling her to not come back which all leads to her breaking down in front of um uh, nolan's uh headstone and really just breaking down and, and asking all these questions that she wants answers to and by the end realizing you know she's not going to get these answers and she's got to be okay with that and move on so what do you think about how they handled debbie throughout this uh, season if, so far first four episodes I mean, again, having no frame of reference from the books, I mean, this this just seemed like the way the story was supposed to be told because mm. it seemed so so effortless. Um, everything that she was going through, you know, again, we talked about like the passage of time between the season one finale and the opening of season two. Um, you know, everything that happened to Mark happened to Debbie outside right. of the teeth right. getting knocked out. Right. Um, but the whole idea of, you know, her world getting turned upside down, it, it, hap- it happened to her as well. And... Um, not that, not that it would hurt worse for her because having, you know, finding out that your parent is, is not who they say they are. Um, but she was definitely with Nolan longer. So you, you know, you, you get the sort of that, that elongated effect of like, how many years have I kind of been living? How many years did I live a lie? And I didn't even know it. And, you know, you add in the, um, sadness of you know dropping your child off at college watching watching your kid grow up and it's not just 
it's not just I'm dropping my kid off at college. I'm dropping my kid off at college and occasionally they go out and have to go superhero where they can mm-hmm. get very, very hurt. Um, that moment where she is scrolling through her texts and it's just all right. the one call. It's just all her reaching out. Um, that was so sad. Mm. Um, and then finding a, a little bit of a respite with with this support group. Yeah. And uh, Theo, voiced by David Diggs from Hamilton, um, you know, that that connection that they have, like literally this is all about things being taken away from her. Yeah. And uh, and the last thing was that, you know, that's uh, uh, Theo basically saying, you know, you you shouldn't come back here. And that, and that moment- you should and that you should have known that he was a bad guy. Right. Like that's what someone right on the outside of a relationship would would uh, would say. Yeah. But everything being taken away from her and then her deciding like, no, like this is uh, everything that happened with Cecil. Like, no, you don't you don't get to decide what to take from me anymore. Like, I have nothing else to take. Like, yeah. Really, really good. I don't know, it was really powerful. I was surprised that they kind of had that arc work so well over the first four episodes, but it did. Yeah. And we'll see what that leads to in the next four episodes, whenever they come out with what Debbie uh, uh, does there as this new with this new power. Shan, let's go back to you. Let's dive into this uh, um, situation here with uh, Alan the alien and with uh, Adam Eve. These are kind of correlative, interesting characters. You know, the two ensemble characters really stood out. We'll, we'll deal with Omni-Man, I think, to wrap up this review. But certainly, let's deal with Alan the alien. And we see his journey in the third episode and how why he was created and how this is all birthed because of what the Viltrumai did to his uh, to his species planet uh and in the end he's not actually strong enough to beat the viltrumite even though that was the intention so he becomes this defender accidentally finds mark and then pitches mark to the council and the council apparently is getting all this information and of course Athetus, vo- voiced by the great uh um uh um oh, peter cullen peter cullen yes peter cullen <laughs> from, from optimus prime um, him saying, you've got to find the mole. And of course, you'd have to be a fool not to know that he was the actual mole. And then it was revealed that he is the actual mole. And then his fight where he gets essentially almost destroyed by all these Viltramite, uh, which was horrible to witness and see, and his relationship there with the general. But then that's kind of the end there. But then with Adam Eve, we're dealing with her and the ramifications after that particular episode that that was released before this um, these four episodes were released with her, the singular episode about her, and she's dealing with ramifications of that because she wants to be a different kind of superhero, but it seems every time she tries to help, something negative happens. Every time she tries to do something good, people come out and call her out for not being able to do the right thing. So in essence, both Alan and her trying to do the right thing, but not always able to do the right thing in these situations. So it's fascinating to watch these two characters. What did you think about their uh, uh, characters here in these first four episodes. I mean, I love this the stylistic choice of that. What was it, episode three, where Alan the Alien pops up? That mm-hmm. they they took out the invincible title card and replaced it with Alan the Alien. Yeah. Like that's the type of thing that I'm like, oh, that's really clever. That's a lot of fun. And because of where that is teed up, it's kind of teed up for comedy. Where yeah. it where it ends is all the more tragic. Um, I love that. Uh, Robert Kirkman, I don't know who, who the artist is for Invincible, but like, and I'd be curious if this was a thing in the books. They have a real big thing with ripping people's uh, uh, limbs off and then beating them with them because <laughs> <laughs> you see it happen more than once. But in terms of just the character of Alan the Alien, knowing that you were 
you were created and bred to do one thing yeah. and you you can't do it like it is that is just such a that is such a punch to the gut um not unlike the punch he will get to the gut later from the Belgiumites that goes straight through his body um but i thought seth rogan i'm not always the biggest seth rogan fan but um i, I thought his work <laughs> you guys know why <laughs> um but uh, i thought his work in this was really great and his whole you know back and forth with the council talking about mark and like yeah. really kind of being an advocate for this guy like he didn't even know he he was this thing and then to see the um viltramite version of uh, zod and the other kryptonians from superman 2 just work alan until he's you know he's just mush and paste um it was really heartbreaking i was like again where it started because it was teed up for something pretty lighthearted to where it ended i was like oh this is i'm actually a little a little sad right now um so i did not watch the special that was in between the two seasons okay. of invincible the adam eve uh, uh special i know i know the worst but um sexist, sexist. that <laughs> nailed it <laughs> um but uh you know i i am a big gillian jacobs fan yeah. and watching it, it's kind of like watching watching a public figure have so much success early in life and they're like you know i don't know if i want to i don't know if i want to keep doing this and as she is helping reconstruct the park and those uh <laughs> those those union construction workers <laughs> come down <laughs> and are like nope you can't do that because x y and z and then you see the the public come out and it, it kind of reminded me of the end of Spider-Man, the, the first Raimi Spider-Man is like the public comes out. It's like, no, we're on, we're on your side. Like, you know, thank you. Thank you for repairing, repairing all this. And the dynamic that she has with her parents, I, like, I don't remember if her parents were in season one, yes. but the, the, um, what her dad is going through, hmm. having a really hard time trying to fill this, <laughs> traditional um male father role and watching how his daughter can literally take an apple and change it into gold and be like here go sell this like what that has to do to someone and again all at all all eve wants to do is all she wants to do is help and yeah. it doesn't seem like helping someone should be this complicated yet it is yeah she almost kills that elderly we don't know what happened to that couple other than they got uh, uh possibly saved uh when he when she's fighting kill cannon and accidentally knocks them off the bridge with one of the blasts there tries to save them we don't know if she did but then she's she ghosts william and amber for that brunch because of the guilt she has so mike yeah a lot here with alan the alien also alan gives this weird look before he gets pummeled by the viltramite to his girlfriend back at that diner there and i wonder if this is all a plan of his to get beat senseless and almost to death in order to find out who the mole is because that was his job here but what did you think about how they um kind of showed you the beginning of alan the genesis and the creation of why he was uh, putable but then of course the swerve and that he went to the wrong planet he can't actually beat the viltramite and now he's just kind of uh being made fun of even by the data entry guys at the beginning <laughs> at the uh, on the planet there um and then the stuff with eve and what she's navigating what she's going through as shannon pointed out the idea of her having this ability and this knowledge, but her father having an issue with heroes. So she's this way, but her father doesn't like this. It's kind of interesting to see the 
topical references if you want to pull out the symbolism of that it's fascinating to look at here too as well what do you think about how alan and eve were handled in these first four episodes well alan is interesting because mm. uh i mean i love everything about him i i've always liked alan i think the idea that some guy showed up and and um and i think like this is very funny but i also think this gets into the bigger arcs of what they're talking like so this alien showed up and omni man just fought him yeah. and they like and they fought and then he came by came back and they fought and had <laughs> omni man just stop to talk to the dude would have cleared it up really quick like mark was like ah know and so like I, I and so like it's just kind of funny but also this idea that like this is what superheroes do oh here's a guy coming yeah. out of the planet i'm gonna go fight him and you don't really think it through and then to go back and kind of follow alan and i love this in the comics too like following alan back you sort of it opens the world up like yeah. we've been on earth we've been in this superhero universe and all of a sudden we fly in and all of a sudden we're in star wars like we're in this galactic yeah. community of aliens and and councils and the dealing with the vultramite threat and you're like oh like this this show just got a lot bigger real real quick and then i was watching the episode and uh he um got beat up and then yeah. peter cullen uh tried to kill him and i was like well that's weird because that's not what happens in the comics oh interesting so okay okay interesting um don't know where we're going <laughs> but i also don't know that we've seen the last of alan the alien yeah yeah um so i i i'm not sure uh maybe they made a dis they maybe they decided to make some bigger changes and uh and and alan is is uh is is down for the count but i would not be surprised if our big lug of a one-eyed alien uh wasn't as down for the count as it looked like he was so yeah. we will see but like so that was really interesting that was definitely like and i think i wasn't the only one i saw a lot of people on twitter like that was a head scratcher i was like oh this is great yeah alan and it's the council and peter cullen and da -da. whoa 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 what's going on here buddy um so it it surprised me but i'm curious to see where it goes um eve's story is great it sucks yeah you know, and, and I think it's it, it's a Mark is dealing with what kind of hero do I want to be? I'm invincible, but I don't want to be like my dad, right. who is horrible. Um, Eve just wants to do good, but she's running into this problem where, you know, and, and I, I think you can look at it in the same, you know, John, you were saying like, well, there's still criminals. There's still this like a superhero goes, Omni-Man goes and he fights a bad guy, yeah. beats the bad guy up, bad guy gets thrown in jail bad guy gets out of jail. Like the problem, it looks like it's solved, but it's not really solved underneath. Right. And what Eve does in this episode is it looks like she solves the problem, but she didn't look at what was underneath. Right. right. And the whole thing collapsed. Uh, and then even with Kill Cannon, she's like, this is an easy one. All right, I'm going to let loose and I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy because that's just, that's what superheroes do. But even that had repercussions that she didn't think through. Mm -hmm. So she's going on this journey of like, is this really what we do? Like, is this the best I can be? Um, and I think she's got a really interesting arc ahead of her. And I think they've done a really good job of fleshing her out. And I think, I think the, the I think the whole relationship with her parents is beautifully complicated. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that in a lot of ways, um, I think that, I think that even the comics dealt with a lot of these same things, but not to the degree that she did, that she's dealing with them in the show. And I think that having her really deal with this trauma and really being lost and not knowing what, not knowing who she wants to be is really great in the way that it's mirroring Mark's journey 
uh, yeah. even more than it did in the comics. Like these are both two kids who were like, hey, I'm gonna go use my superpowers to fight bad guys and help people. And both of them are now in these situations in very different ways, but in situations where they're like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, like I literally it. don't know. Yeah, I think you're 100% right, Mike. Uh, as you were talking, it occurred to me as well how uh, similar their arcs are for Mark and, and Adam because they're they're both trying to navigate this thing as young superheroes, right? Just like they would navigate their lives as young people. Like, remove superhero and just give them each a talent. One's a musician, one's a, a singer, an actress or something, like some, or, or, or a, a doctor, whatever. Like, it's like when you're young, of course, you've got these idealistic points of views of the world, how things should be, how things shouldn't be. But once you get older, you really are confronted with a lot of the gray of the world and certainly her seeing that I can help my father immediately, but my father's pride and his anger at the heroes for costing him his job has made him in a way hate me for who I am, hate me for these powers. And instead of taking advantage of it, he's got the old school ethic that he wants to work for his money, which I think is respectable. But yet it gets confusing and, as you said, complex. And that's fascinating. She is you know, carried on by the people who want to get back in there and get their homes back, fix everything. Except she doesn't know about code and all these things that are necessary when you're constructing a building because people have sued for this stuff in the past when you don't pay attention to the code and get it all right, use the right materials and whatever. And that falls apart on her. She fights Kilcannon, but she's fighting Kilcannon for the wrong reasons, which is to vent her anger at all the things that are going on in her life. And that leads to her almost accidentally killing this elderly couple, as we said, we don't know. So it's fascinating to see that. And I think that's good. That's a, a, a nice, complex, interesting uh, storylines that you can connect to that are universal uh, when you're going through that time in your life and you're trying to figure out where you belong, what your voice is, how to use your talents to the best of their abilities. All of that is relatable through Mark and through what Adam and Eve is doing. Uh, Adam and Eve does. And I love um, I love the Alan stuff. Alan is just great. And I, I'm a big fan. I, I mean, I know Shannon's reasons, but I like Seth Rogen <laughs> and his voice work for Alan. It makes him a very interesting character. And using Paul F. Tompkins to narrate that sequence, genius decision. Genius decision. Totally worked. You know, getting sex situations that he's super uncomfortable with, I think was really uh, funny to see that as well. But what more are we going to get from Alan? I know there's got to be more coming. And I wonder, as you point out, Michael, that it's different from the comics. I wonder if that smile back to his uh, girlfriend there in the diner was maybe a smile back to us going like, I know you know what's in the comics, but something different is coming this time around. So it could be a little bit of a meta moment there from Alan the alien. Um, all right, Mike, let's swing back to you. Let's deal with uh, um, uh, Omni-Man here and the situation that he puts to Mark here in this fourth episode as they go to Thraxa and he has to, in essence, come to uh, Omni-Man, in essence, has set himself up and we see his story from the end of the last episode of last season flying away he's reflecting sitting on a lone rock looking at this moon or planet uh getting bearded ending up on thraxa and what happens there and he essentially saves these insect people and uh tricks mark as we find out tricks mark to come to this planet to help him fight off the viltrumite that are coming to destroy this planet because they know that nolan has left his post and now Nolan has not only got a new wife, he's got a new child. And he employs Mark to kind of help him, again, his own needs, to help him defend these people and then defend his uh, his new half-brother and his stepmom, in essence, if you could even call it that, which is voiced by the great Rhea Seahorn from uh, 
from uh, uh, Better Call Saul. And so seeing all of that, but then at the end, what he goes through and navigates, seeing his father getting beat up in essence and taken away by the Viltrumite. And we get um, the great Clancy Brown voicing, uh, was it Cregan? Is that his name? Creek, sorry, General Creek there who tells him, you've got to take this stuff over now and you've got to essentially take your father's place. And Omni-Man in essence sets this whole thing up from his own selfish needs to uh, help Mark. And he still won't say he's sorry. He says it's unforgivable. He says it was wrong, but he never actually says he's sorry. And in a way, this is another colossal mindfuck, Mike, because this is how many of us can relate to having a mentor who we think is helping us. And then we see the flaws in our mentor. It doesn't even have to be the dad. It could be anything, business, whatever. It could be anything, coach, whatever. And you see it happening here that his needs are supreme above Mark's needs, and yet again, Mark is caught in a, between a rock and a hard place because of Omni Man by the end. So, what do you think of how they did this with uh, with Omni Man with Nolan? Did you buy this whole reflection? Because even as a moment where he chokes Mark and says, "Why do I care for these people?" You know, he's clearly going through a crisis of conscience himself. What do you think about this? I mean, I think I. So I, I love this turn in the comics and I love this turn in the animated series. Like this whole, like all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, I thought that he was going to show up and there was going to be another knockdown drag out fight and that's right. not what happened. Um, I think they did it better in the show. Uh, in the comics, we don't get this whole flashback journey. And I think what we find out is, I think he went to Thraxis because he was going to take over that planet and yeah. to try and make up for the fact that he fucked up on Earth. But then he fell in love with Andressa and he ends up in the same place. He's in love with Andressa. He's a little bit calmed down. He's got his son. Um, but I think that whole thing they showed us of him sort of floating aimlessly through space yeah. and not really knowing what the fuck to do and then actively rescuing the Thraxans, um, I think just gives you a little bit, a little bit more sympathy. We still know what he did and yeah. you know, it's, it's like he says, it's unforgivable, but I think, um, maybe I'm a little bit more sympathetic to him than you Ooh. are. Uh, well, yeah, I don't you think, might be. well, cause I don't think like, you know, I, I don't think that you can fully frame it as, he moved on, got married, and is doing things for his own selfish reasons because his main reason for Mark, for wanting Mark to show up is, I have to protect my other son and I can't do it alone. So that in and of itself is kind of not a selfish, it's, if he was like, I need you to help me take over Viltrum, you and me are gonna rule together. You're like, okay, well that's kind of a shitty villain thing, but he's like, they're gonna kill your half brother if you don't help me is kind of like, it. It, it muddies the waters. Like, I'm not saying that Omni-Man sure, but... is like, is like forgiven, but what they've done that's so cool, I think, is they've made you just, re in the same way that Mark, as Shannon said, shows up, sees his dad, you're like, what the fuck is he gonna do? And he hugs him, yeah. and then he's pissed off and says, fuck you. Like, that's kind of how we as the audience are, because you're like, oh, yeah. he did feel bad. He's really fucked up about this, but he fucking called, Debbie a pet and beat the shit out of his son and he killed the guardians like I but now he's on this planet and I think uh the whole conversation that Mark has with Andressa is really kind of mm. telling as well like she's like look and I mean I think the way that the Thraxans age is also key in this it's not like Omni-Man just showed up met some chick they had a whirlwind romance for a week and a half and he said yep you're my new lady like to Andressa she's known Nolan most of her life. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like she's known him, like it's like she met Nolan 
when she was 15 and she's now 45 and she's been with him for that length of time like in her in her um in her in her species lifespan she's been with nolan as long as debbie has like that's weird interesting okay yeah yeah. like it's a and like the way she speaks about it and she's like look i know that he doesn't say these things but this is how he feels and he told me everything like they they just do this really interesting job and again i'm not saying that you're all of a sudden like oh that old omni man that's scallywag i guess we're gonna forgive everything but they've created a uh dynamic where Mm. we are we as the audience are like i am not sure what i'm supposed to feel right now which is i think what mark is feeling right, right. and i think that's really really interesting another and so i thought that was all great i think that the fight was super cool i love the violence i just love it <laughs> i i, I the, the part of me that loves violence in animation is a weird lizard brain part of me but i'm like yeah look at that look at them teeth fly um <laughs> but i think that and I think that Mar- Omni Man telling Mark, "You've got to kill. You've got to cut loose. Yeah. Like, you are holding back because you're used to holding back." It's the it's the it's the typical su- it's the Superman speech at the end of Justice League Unlimited mm. to uh, Darkseid. He's like, "I I hold back every day because I can't really cut loose, but I don't need to cut loose in front of you. Let's see what I can really do." And like this is Mark sort of struggling with that. He is human. Half yeah. of him is human. Half of him is like, "I I can't really punch you as hard." as I could because you would shatter. Um, and so him figuring out how to deal with the vulture mites, like that's that's a whole lot of a lot. Another key difference, I believe, mm. uh, in the in the comics when the vulture mites take Nolan away, I think he tells Mark like read my journals and his journals mm. have information on how to like defeat the vulture mites. If, if I think, I'm a little fuzzy on it, hey, but I remember vaguely that, right. but it's definitely not read my books. Oh, okay, okay. Like this whole like read my books, I'm a good person. Right. Like, I think in the, in the, in the comics, it was much more targeted of like, I need you to read these journals. Cause I need you to like, get your, sh- I need you to power up so that you can fight these right. guys. Right. But his whole thing at the end is like, Mark, I'm, I'm a good person, read my books. And then at the same time you cut to Debbie getting rid of all those books and you see the books that he wrote as an author. Uh, I feel like that's an added wrinkle that we didn't have in the comics that I'm interested to see where that goes as well. But I, I love Nolan because I think that he is a supremely complicated character and i think they've only done a better job of making him even more messy more gray more muddy more complicated in the in the series yeah he's super complicated yeah yeah yeah. you're much more forgiving than i am because i look at him and as someone who because i mean yes he's his motives uh, yes to save the thraxons there and but it's also to save his half orange so he's going to sacrifice potentially sacrificing his older child to save his newer, younger child. I, you know, those are questions that I have when I look at all of this. Um, but at the end, yeah, he does tell them, and he does, in essence, try to give Mark the keys, possibly, to help him fight the Vulture Mites. Because Mark gets his ass, whenever Mark fights anybody who's his equal or higher, he gets his ass kicked, whether it's the Immortal, whether it's Vulture Mites, whether it's other people. It's fascinating to watch Mark be unable to win these fights just yet. Shannon, what are your thoughts on how... Um, Nolan and Omni Man appears here in episode four and the journey he goes on with Mark. And is he selfish? Is he not selfish? What are your thoughts on how they portray this whole thing? He is phenomenally complex. Mm. I mean, it's it's the type of thing that and that really gets an audience invested. I mean, yeah. you know, again, you think about Game of Thrones season one, the end of that first episode, Jamie Lannister is about the worst of the worst. <laughs> and you know, the the audience over time 
and I met, you know, it was you know same way with the books. I mean, the audience over time, not only do you start to sympathize him, you start to see his point of view. Hmm. And that is, that's just really, really good writing. I mean, and you look at, you look at the position he's in as he flees earth that he failed over here. These people are never going to accept him because they're, you know, they're going to find out what he did and the people that are his, his people, they're never going to forgive him for kind of failing. Yeah, And it's like, he's got nobody. And so when he saves Thraxa and does fall in love with this, with this new Andressa, this new, new, new lady. Um, yeah, the only person he can reach out to is Mark. The only person that would have have at least the potential of forgiving him, of helping him, uh, would be Mark. I mean, the 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 same way that Mark wouldn't just unload on someone the the way that he can is the same reason that I think is, is why Omni Man reaches out to him like, "This is your half brother. You are the only one beside me who can help protect him." I mean, and that is that puts Mark in such a precarious position. Um, I loved the shots of like long haired Omni Man kind of floating aimlessly through space, trying to figure out what am I what am I going to do? I mean, Vogel, you know, hit a lot of this stuff on, uh, you know, already nailed a lot of this stuff on the head. Um, I don't think I'm quite as understanding as Mike, um, but at the same time, I'm not as willing to condemn him <laughs> as John. I know, I know, I really am. I really <laughs> pretty, much, you pretty much just summed up every conversation that we've all had with each other over the past, like, 15 years on anything. So that that pretty much is where we usually end up. Hey, I'm on the fence. <laughs> you'd, you'd think it's uncomfortable, but I'm used to it now. <laughs> um, no, it's just really, it's, it's just really, really good writing. And the performance of J.K. Simmons, someone that can go from absolutely menacing when he's yeah. saying, think, Mark, think, to now trying to be this tender guy. I mean, from a, from a Vulturemite's point of view, these people are ants yeah. you know what i mean and, Literally and figuratively yeah yeah so it's like how many people had an ant farm when they were a kid what, <laughs> what happened to them yeah right you, you still got them <laughs> um so i think that's why i think that's again that's why it's so intriguing to an audience is yeah. this is the type of show that these debates back and forth are are gonna keep going yeah. Be, and that's what makes that that's what makes a good story well, yeah. And I mean, but, even like John, what, or what you were saying, like, I mean, even like when he's choking Mark and yeah. he's like losing it and he's like, why is it better? Like, why do I care? To Shannon, why do I care about these yeah. ants? Yeah. Like, why do they like they live less than a year? Their entire lifespan is like nothing. Why do I care? Why is it better to feel the way I feel right now? Mm. I mean, that's a man who's going through some shit. <laughs> like <laughs> you are you yeah. are in it because like that's that's not a. This is this reminds me of all of our House of the Dragon arguments. Like, that's not a man who's like, let me manipulate my son. That is a man who's like, I am fucking lost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I, but I think that's a great point because I was going to bring that that scene up again, Mike. And, and I think I'm glad you did because that's the to me, that's that scene, and then the scene later on when he's telling Mark that he has to fight to kill. I think are really interesting scenes because. Um, Omni-Man is struggling with his programming versus his natural impulse to care that he is actually 
acquired more of an impulse to care because he's been on Earth versus his Viltrumite pro Viltrumite programming. And you see that come out in his choking of Mark and straining to understand why do I care? It is the in civil battle, the civil war that he's having within himself between the Viltrumite raising and the who he actually probably is, right? And so how many of us have had a father who was like, got some, you know, you got to be a man, you got to be the macho stuff. And then later on in life realizes how toxic that can actually be, you know? And so it's an interesting thing to fight against your programming. But then later he, in essence, is instilling the same kind of programming in Mark by being like, You've, you're you holding back. You've got to fight to kill. You got to kill her or she's going to kill you. So in essence, pushing the same thing that he's battling against onto Mark passing on the stuff that he himself hasn't even come to terms with yet onto Mark and Mark being unable to kill that female Viltrumite in the end. And uh, Nolan has to do it, but which of course costs uh, Nolan him getting captured by the Viltrumite at the end. So fascinating stuff. That's really fun to explore with these characters. And yes, I may, I may be more judgmental of him, but I enjoy him as a character because it is challenging to ask yourself questions as you're watching a character do the things that, that uh, Nolan is doing here in the show. Um, where are we at right now? We're, we're over an hour. Let's take one last break, and then we'll jump into the, to one last thing, and then we'll wrap up the review here right after this. Yeah, I still, I still got it. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to tell. Normally, this is where I would be Googling furiously. <laughs> <laughs> well, then one last thing, and I'll, and I'll go to you on this one, Shannon, and, and Mike, please chime in after that, is what do you think about the Guardians? I feel like these characters have become, in essence, filler and this is my criticism, I think, my main criticism of the first four episodes. It feels like the Guardian stuff, I really could care less. I don't care about Shapeshifter, who's come in, which is the former, former astronaut who's now been taken over, but I think by I think by a Martian or something like that. And then um, the what's going on with, uh, Mans with Mansukas and his character and his relationship with Multigirl, uh, the immortal being involved in this. And then, of course, what we have with, um, uh, with Kate and the male version of the robot uh there as well what he or the kid version of the robot there who's uh, the uh controlling piece of this all and him navigating his battles as a, what do you think about the guardians have they have they gotten short shrift here in these first four episodes or do you do you like them being used as filler because you don't need to care about them that much no well i mean when mark was involved was around them i did, i don't feel like they were filler like they were okay. you know they, they were a part of mark's story but i mean i don't know i think i, I think manzukas is not as funny as he was in the first in the first season yeah yeah to the point that i actually imdb it i'm like is that manzukas because <laughs> it almost doesn't sound like him um but i but i still enjoy the story i mean i still enjoy yeah. you know the 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 human version of robot trying to work out these you know human feelings like taking monster yeah. girl on a date um I, I didn't get a filler feel from them okay. and i feel like whatever's going on between Rex Blow, Duplicate, this, you know, and the Immortal, this kind of, you know, weird, weird love triangle. Um, I, I feel like, not, again, not knowing where the story is going to go. I mean, I feel like, I feel like there is potential there. Okay. All right. Mike, what do you think? Are they filler? Have they not been given enough to do? Do you think they're doing I think you're right? Funny. I think you're funny because you can't have it both ways. All you say on every show, every, every show, I wish that the, I wish that the side characters have more developed stories. I wish the side characters have more developed stories. Now we've got 
robot struggling with his humanity and trying to understand his emotions, going on a date with Monster Girl, who's trying to show him how to live. We've got Duplicate, who cheated, who Rexplode cheated on Adam Eve with now cheating on him with the immortal but like not yeah. really cheating and then explaining that the immortal has lived so long and died so many times and that if you add up all of the times that she's died with her multiple personality mm -hmm. like her multiple bodies she he understands her more than her you've got all of these things going on like you've got the shapeshifter coming in who we know is really an escaped martian like you got all of these plot threads all sort of bubbling below the surface and you're like oh i don't want it it's all you've ever wanted. It's what you wanted on Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's what you wanted. It's what you wanted on the Marvels. It's what you wanted on Secret Invasion. And now you got it and you don't want it. You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, don't ask, uh, you know, just sometimes be careful what you wish for, I, I guess. I, I guess <laughs> I find, I guess I just find their storylines kind of boring. So I did get, you're right. I did get what I got, what I wanted, which is fleshed out storylines for these answer these ensemble characters but i just feel that's kind of boring like, i don't care i don't care they're trying to figure this stuff out i don't care about the triangle i don't care about it so maybe that's more my criticism even though other people might care i felt like it wasn't that I, big of a deal yeah. i do think i mean here's what i do think I, yeah. here's where i think i understand what you're saying i do think that what's going on with those characters is not nearly as interesting as, as what's going on yeah. with mark and nolan and debbie and eve like it's sort of like okay i think probably and this is a little bit like the angstrom levy thing as well like mm. i think i'm looking at this knowing oh well you've gotta this these characters need to do the things that we're watching for the things that are going to happen in season three and season four like these yeah. characters aren't going anywhere and the stuff that's happening here it's going to reap rewards for us down the road like yeah. these things aren't just this isn't just ah, let's have some other characters to flesh this show out because we don't want it to be on these three all the time like these yeah. things are all threads that and this is what kirkman did really well like yeah. where you would just sort of like have these characters and you're like oh yeah there's this cute little romance over here oh yeah no these characters are, oh this is kind of a funny thing happening over here and then you're like oh wow these characters are real oh oh okay this is happening and so yeah um there's a lot more story to tell and they're all involved in it so i do think maybe i'm looking at it through a little bit of a filter of i know where they're going so i'm like yeah okay yeah that's that's that checks the box a fair point fair point yeah because we've got, obviously got more episodes left in the season maybe that stuff is gonna pay off down the road in a way that's gonna line up with these and and coincide with these other storylines that are happening uh, for sure, we shall see. Um, all right, well, there you go. That's our uh, spoiler review. Uh, Michael, any final words on these first four episodes as we wrap up here, this spoiler review of uh, Invincible Season 2? You know, if we're going to keep getting uh, superhero shows like we've been getting with Gen V and mm. The Boys and Invincible on Amazon Prime, uh, then I'm not worried about superhero fatigue because I'm enjoying the hell out of all of it. That's a fair point. Yeah, certainly Prime Video seems to be the place to go now. Lately, out of nowhere, uh, for this Really interesting adult-themed superhero content. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Shannon, any final thoughts on and anything we didn't talk about that you want to hit on uh, from these first four episodes? No, before before we hit on the Guardians, I was just mm. like, oh, are we, are we not going to talk about the Guardians? I really enjoyed that. <laughs> so across the board, I'm, I'm super enjoying this show. I mean, you know, whenever the show comes back in 2024, hopefully it won't be um, weeks for me to realize that the show is available. Mm. Um, but <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think as you guys already said, um, the the glut of content that we've gotten 
Um, the fact that Amazon Prime has been with the boys and Gen V um, has been a, a, a pretty reliable, pretty reliable place. Um, yeah, it's really encouraging. And the fact that they're going to be start, they're going to start getting some new DC stuff at some point. Yeah, I hope I hope it follows the Amazon Prime trend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I've been loving the season, even though, as I said in this review, I've got my issues on certain things. It, it, it's compelling television and I'm loving, and they, these episodes are done before I know they're done. That's what's always, yeah. I know I'm watching a good show when the black frame comes up and tells me who directed it or who wrote it. And I'm like, wait, it's over. And that is a, that's a sign of a good show. And I'm enjoying that every time with Invincible for sure. So, well, uh, there we go. That's our spoiler review for episodes one through four, season two of Invincible. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, be right there on the fence. On Twitter, it's at Shannon <laughs> underscore McClung. On Instagram, <laughs> at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you want to be really forgiving, you can follow Mike Vogel at MKToon. And if you're ready to string people up with torches, <laughs> you can follow Mr. Roca at The Roca Says. Oh, too much. I have more empathy than people think, but yeah, I'm kind of hard on these characters. Well, as Shan said, uh, all all opinions clearly welcome here at the Geek Buddies. Uh, and if you would like to continue to hear all of our various and sundry opinions, here's what you can do for us. You can smash that like button below, subscribe to Aunt Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, check out all the amazing content he's got going on. Let us know what you're thinking of Invincible Season 2. Have you read the comics? Have you not read the comics? How do you feel about the show either way? Let us know below in the comments. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some comments and stars there so that we go up in the rankings and more people can find us and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies there you go all right y'all thanks so much for hanging out with us look for our main show happening later on this week and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the geek buddies <gasps> hey! Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.